Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD and habits, a love-hate relationship. Very anxious to kind of do this show, but before we get into the content, a few things. One, the program is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, better known as CHAD. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give out digital copies of Attention Magazine in a PDF format. To get yours, all you have to do is listen to our show, um, and we're going to share um, a keyword a couple times to the show. Write it down. Listen to another show. Listen to that keyword. Write it down. Then send me an email. The email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com, and have the two secret words in that email. When I get it, I'll forward it on to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and we'll forward you the next edition when it's printed. Again, Write down two secret words from two different shows and send me an email at attention at attentiontalkradio.com. Also, the 2020 Annual International Conference on ADHD is around the corner. It's November 5th through the 7th. Um, in the past, it's always been on location, but this year, due to the virus, it's going to be uh, virtual. So there's no reason not to attend. Um, there's going to be a lot of great speakers, etc. a lot of really, really good content. Uh, I understand that they're getting a, a specialized software so um, people will be able to interact. I know that uh, I'll be presenting on ADHD and fitness. Uh, I'm going to have to record, I guess, the presentation. Uh, but then there's a Q&A section afterwards that I go, I'm going to do live, as will other speakers. And I think there's other ways for breakout rooms and more of that stuff to happen. So um, if you haven't been able to make it in the past, we encourage you to do so. To learn more and sign up, go to chadd.org. Because our program is being brought to you, uh, we've got a little tip that we're going to run from uh, Chad, and we'll get into the show. Listening to Chad's All Things ADHD and ADHD 365 podcasts is an excellent way to stay on top of the latest ADHD news and information. You will have access to expert advice, tips, and strategies for managing ADHD. Start listening today at chad.org slash podcast. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our uh, listeners to become members of Chad or to donate. They are the ones that are on Capitol Hill lobbying and in different regulatory agencies to kind of help those with ADHD get accommodations uh, so that we can live and thrive. So a strong Chad is a strong uh, ADHD community, allows us to speak with one voice. And again, if you can make contributions to that, it would be great. Uh, membership would even be better because you get the member benefits. To, to learn more and sign up or to donate, go to chadd.org. Okay, the topic tonight really is habits and ADHD. So let's kind of start. A habit is a, is a recurrent and often unconscious pattern of behavior that's acquired through frequent repetition. What I really want to highlight in that, it's a recurrent and often unconscious uh, pattern of behavior. So 
habits can be very, very helpful for those with ADHD, and, but they can be challenging to establish. And I want to kind of help us really understand this a little bit. Over the years, if you're listening to the show, you know I'm a huge fan of Dr. Barkley and his um, thought or, or, or understanding of ADHD as an executive functioning, largely one of uh, self-regulation. Self-regulation, as he defines it, is the ability to stop, basically, pause, and direct an action back on yourself to change your behavior, to change the future. It's a future-directed act. And that's the definition of it, but uh, let's talk about it a little bit more. Self-regulation is basically not eating too much, not drinking too much, uh, abstaining from things, really kind of stopping yourself and being a little bit more conscious of it. And in that context, he talks about ADHD. Think of it as a two-level system. You have your automatic brain, your more primitive brain. Uh, I call it the dopamine-seeking brain or the more emotional brain. Um, that's very, very reactive. Um, it's also a pleasure-seeking brain. Then you have the thinking brain, which is the executive functioning brain, basically your prefrontal cortex, which is in your forehead. Now, the, the thinking brain requires effort. It effortly has to step in and override that automatic brain, and I do mean effortly. It's not a simple task. So those people with ADHD who say they're impulsive or distracted, again, to me, that's all really just self-regulation, is to not do that is you've got to effortly catch yourself and override that to make that happen. So with Dr. Barclay's concept that we think of ADHD as a two-level system, you have the automatic brain and the executive functioning brain. The automatic brain is the, the more primitive-seeking brain and the more unconscious brain. And so going back to our definition of a habit, it's a reoccurring, often unconscious pattern of behavior that's acquired through frequent repetition. So for me, when I wake up in the morning and I brush my teeth, I brush my teeth. I honestly am not thinking usually about my brushing my teeth. I'm thinking about something else while I brush my teeth, but I've done it so many times, it's become an unconscious behavior. Another example of unconscious behavior is often I wake up in the middle of the night and have to go to the bathroom or go somewhere in the house. And it's funny how I wake up and I'm half asleep and I walk across the room and I lift my hand and all, all of a sudden there's a light switch that's in my hand. It's because I've become used to it. Back in high school, I'll never forget, I was a, I think, a, a, actually maybe a senior, and I walked up to my locker and I began to think what was my combination and I couldn't remember it. So I left and I walked down the hall and distracted myself and I like, I'm like I was, I was kind of stressing a little bit, but I just kind of relaxed. I went back to my locker, and without thinking about what my combination was, I was able to open the locker. I literally could not remember my combination if I thought about it, but it was a reoccurring behavior that I, it was a habit that I just did it kind of without thinking. So when we begin to think about habits as this unconscious reoccurring behavior, it's, it's a really useful tool when we think about Dr. Barclay's notion of the two-level system. Now, <clears throat> we talk about that 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 thinking brain necessary to override it. Dr. Barclay also talks about think of the ADHD brain as having a more limited amount of fuel. So let's just assume that the normal neurotypicals got 10 gallons of fuel that they can use for executive function in a day, but a person with ADHD only has five. This is really, really important because if you've only got five gallons of executive functioning fuel, then you want to use it on truly things that you need to think about. For example, maybe a paper or doing your taxes or something at work. Um, you don't want to do it on thinking where is your toothbrush, et cetera. 
And so when we form habits um, through the day, it enables people with ADHD mind to save fuel um, to think on other things. And I'm going to give you kind of an example of this. I've coached a lot of executives that travel sometimes, and when they travel, they're they're a little bit out of whack because they have their normal bathroom routine at home. But when they're on the road, that routine is disruptive because things are not where they are. So often they have to think, okay, where's, where's my toothbrush and go digging through their toiletry bag in order to kind of find that. That sounds relatively small, but it disrupts their thinking when maybe they're thinking about their day when they're on the road or something they've got kind of going on. So, for that crowd, I often will coach them, we need the same thing. You need a routine where you're living out of your toiletry bag both on the road and at home so it really doesn't change. That reoccurring habit makes it easier because it frees up their mind when they're on the road to use it for thinking about what's going to happen in their day. So I hope this is making a little bit of sense here, um, is that we have the, 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 the primitive brain, and we have the thinking brain and habits, once they become habits, they become unconscious reoccurring patterns of behavior that you do without thinking. And because you're able to do those things without thinking, then it's easy for you to use your mind somewhere else. Another short example is, you know, if you put your keys in the same place all the time, <clears throat> you don't have to think about where you put them. Whereas if you put them in different places, you have to stop and you lose time in order to, to search for them and find them. So. Due to time, what I want to do is I want to run to a commercial break, and we come back. I want to bring in working memory, and then I want to talk about really <clears throat> habits a little bit and the, the nature of changing them and talk about why it's so hard. So with that, our secret word tonight is habits, and we'll be right back after this message. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Do you worry when your child is left out? Does your child have trouble making and keeping friends? Life skills can be challenging for ADHD kids. Learn how you can be your child's greatest ally by reading the book Ned Hollowell described as a game changer, Michelle Borba referred to as the ultimate guide for parents, and Michael Thompson praised as the groundbreaking book you've been waiting for. Go to playbetterplan.com to buy a copy of Caroline McGuire's book, Why Will No One Play With Me? While you're there, subscribe to download her free mini course on developing social skills for children. That's playbetterplan.com. Are you always late? The TimeTimer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, TimeTimer's bright red disc disappears. Visit TimeTimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an EDGE Foundation coach, specifically trained to help students with ADHD and Executive Function Challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. 
And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a conversation on what I've learned over the years by interviewing the experts and coaching people with ADHD, specifically around habits. We're drilling into this a little bit more so you understand the why behind what's going on, because for many of you out there, not everybody, understanding the why makes it a lot easier for you to execute the how. So where we are is, again, we have the brain that's a two-level system, and you have a little less fuel, as our metaphor goes, for thinking. Something as simple as you're, you're, you're traveling and you're working out of a, a toiletry bag or you're driving down the road and you've got a lot of stuff going on that day and all of a sudden you have a flat tire and you're having to use all that uh, energy to think and problem solve disrupts your day and, and, and has a negative impact on your, um, uh, your productivity that day. So <clears throat> we've laid out this idea of self-regulation. Another uh, thing that uh, I've come to realize, ADHD is really, to me, mostly a self-regulation issue with a working memory challenge. And it's really the elephant in the room. And if you listen to my show over the years, I've spent a lot of time illuminating the role working memory plays. Working memory is, it's, it's not learning. It's about juggling ideas and thoughts in your mind. Um, Real simply, there's an exercise that I do where I'm working with people and I give them five words. It's like teacher, hippopotamus, bumblebee, kangaroo, zebra. And I ask them to repeat it back to me in alphabetical order. About half the time, people forget a word or they don't get the order right. In that exercise, realizes that you, um, you, uh, you don't, didn't learn anything new. You're just holding those words and you're organizing and sequencing them in your mind. Another little exercise is calculate three to the power of five. Um, you've got to multiply those things out and kind of keep track of how many uh, times you've multiplied three times itself. Uh, again, that's working memory. And if you stop and you watch your thought process, process in your mind, you'll realize it's very, very effortful. It's very, very challenging, particularly as it gets more and more complex. So when you're going to um, look at a habit, we know that habits are really good if you conform them because it requires the conscious thinking uh, is taken away. So it becomes unconscious and you can think about other things, <clears throat> particularly if you have the habit of putting your keys in the same place or the habit of, uh, I don't know, doing the – whatever it is. That just removes that need for thinking and you can kind of rely on it. A lot of times, though, with ADHD, we want to establish new habits. So what is involved in a new habit is you actually have to catch yourself. Uh, you have to consciously be conscious about what you're unconscious about. That in itself can be a bit of a challenge. Um, then once you be, are conscious about what was unconscious, you have to stop, and then you have to remember what you're going to do now. And then you have to remember the instructions of what you're going to do now. And then you have to execute those instructions. <clears throat> what I want to illustrate is if you tried to calculate three to the fifth power uh, a second ago, which, by the way, the answer, I think, is 245, 246, you'll realize how hard that is. That is very, very effortful and tiresome for people with ADHD, so they typically don't really want to go through the effort. I mean, it's, 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 for some, it's very overwhelming, and they just escape and go back to what they're doing. So I want to tell a story about an individual that I coached one time. This is actually a true story. And the person was a lawyer, and they wanted help with – organizing their inbox or email. Well, anyway, long and short of it is we got to, the person had nobody in their contact section of Outlook. If you've got a Gmail or something, you've got a contact section. And so what a lot of people do, like myself, I'll pull up an email and I'll start typing part of somebody's name and we'll autofill with their name and their email address 
my my virtual assistant, when I hit J, she goes in right automatically because it's the person I email the most. So when you for him, I was talking to him and he was like, I, I don't really have a system, which is a whole nother show because I can prove to everybody that you've got a system. And I said, well, how do you send emails? He said, well, I search my inbox for like Jeff Copper and an email comes up and I copy and I paste your email into the new email. And I said, okay, well, it, does it ever not work? She said, no. I said, wow. So you do have a flawless system. We agreed it maybe wasn't as efficient as another system, but he did have a system. So we talked about what would be needed to take place in order for him to be able to use contacts um, for email addresses. First of all, we ran into a bit of an issue because he's a lawyer. And a lot of the names and stuff was there's confidentiality issues with regard to it. It's not like he could offload this to somebody else and load them all into his contacts, but we put that aside for now. Then we started talking about what it was going to require in order for him to do this. And we began to realize that he had been doing this, this, this way of searching for email addresses for two decades. And it had become an unconscious behavior. He just did it. So when he was dealing with some issue or maybe thinking about what he was going to send, he was able to search for emails usually without a thought and, and continue thinking about whatever maybe he was going to write to them or something that was going on. And began to realize that if we were going to change this habit, what he was going to have to do was just going to have to catch himself. Catch himself, realize that he didn't do the new way. Then he would have to stop and think, oh, I've got to do it differently. Then he would actually have to use working memory to and visual imagery, if you will, to think, oh, that's right. I've got to go put my cursor in the to-do line. And then what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to type the person's name. And then he would type the name. All those instructions that he's going through about what he's supposed to do, which sounds really easy to you, but cognitively in that minute, it's a little bit taxing. He realized that often he would forget about whatever the hell he was thinking about. Now, for you younger people out there, you don't know, but I'm 57. Often I will walk into a room and I'll forget why I went into that room um, because there's something else I'm thinking about. I'd have to leave. Hopefully the idea comes back and I go back in. Well, for him, he would forget about what he was thinking about. That's very disruptive. It would slow him down, and he would have to go and try to recreate that idea. As we began to talk about it, he was, I'm a lawyer, and stuff's coming at me left and right. And he started to realize that having to pause, stop, and think about all the instructions that he needed to do in order to form that new habit was very, very effortful and would slow him down. And would create a productivity problem because often he would forget about what he was thinking and he would have to retrace his steps. We also began to reflect in the past when he had tried to do similar type things elsewhere that when the pressure kind of came in to perform that he would always revert back to that unconscious behavior because he had to be productive at that point in time. My point here is that going back to Dr. Barclay's theory that ADHD is an issue of self-regulation. <clears throat> and if you're going to form a new habit, your thinking brain has got to be conscious about your unconscious brain. It's got to step in and, whoa, hold those horses. It's got to override that. That's hard enough to begin with. Then the working memory has got to kick in and recall the new steps that are not as conscious. And then it has to execute those steps. And it's got to do this. It's got to practice this behavior over and over and over and over and over and over for a long period of time until that new um, behavior becomes unconscious, which is really, really very effortful. With that being said, why don't we do some pause and let you guys think about this for a little bit. We're going to go to a commercial break and come back 
and talk about the practicality of this and how it manifests in your world. So with that, remember our secret word tonight is habits. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit EdgeFoundation.org to learn more how an Edge coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having an in-depth conversation about habits. And really, I have to say, to me, Dr. Russell Barkley is the ADHD genius of the century. Um, His theories and models really make a lot of sense, revolutionized the way I coach people. I've had a lot of success with it. And we're using it really to understand uh, habits right now. So now we understand so far that, you know, habit is an unconscious behavior and very helpful for people with ADHD if it's a productive habit um, because it removes some of the thinking, uh, makes it more automated, and allows them to perform at a higher level. We also know that uh, the less you need to use your executive thinking on more minor issues, the more productive you can be. Before the last break, we talked about the role working memory plays in this. So you actually, the brain has to become conscious and become consciously aware of its unconscious behavior and effortly, I might add effortly, um, override that. Then it must effortly pull uh, upon knowledge, retrieve uh, the instructions, the new instructions uh, in the working memory and execute those instructions. Now, when you think about that, it sounds really easy to think, just do a new habit. But if you begin to really, really sit in that experience, close your eyes and, and notice you've got to become conscious about the unconscious, then you have to remember or, or call up something that's not a habit or your customary, and then you have to go through that, and you begin to realize that that's taxing your working memory, you'll start to realize a few things. Number one, it's hard. Number two, you become less productive. It slows you down. It can slow you down quite considerably for a period of time. And when you have pressure, uh, it makes it more difficult because emotionally you have to override that pressure and you have to have the discipline to stick to that. And pressure is one of those things that can really paralyze people with ADHD. So as we do this, we can begin to realize changing a habit for people with ADHD is monumental. I've talked to um, 
many, many experts on this, and most all of them agree that habits are really good for people with ADHD, but they also agree people with ADHD, it's more of a challenge for them to establish habits because of the need to self-regulate and to use your working memory to execute these things. We also can begin to understand, if you think of this in isolation, how difficult it is when you're trying to change multiple habits at one time. It's best to isolate those habits and do one at a time to make that conversion. But all too often, people with ADHD, they, when they get a – maybe they say, I want a new organizational system that would do something. There's multiple things coming at them at one time. And, again, if you really live in this experience I described, you can see how it just brings you to your knees. Productivity starts to fall. Pressure starts to get up, and they often abandon it and run back to those unconscious behaviors, and it gets a little bit frustrating. The message that I'm trying to, to – to, to deliver on this is that, yes, habits are really, really, really good, but as my mother taught me years ago, <clears throat> never minimize how hard something's going to be. If it's hard, acknowledge it's hard, because if you don't, you're not giving it the respect that it's due. And when it comes to ADHD, I think everybody's prescription out there is you just need to form a habit on it, and it's not that easy. As a coach, what I like to do is coach people to work with existing habits, to piggyback habits, not to establish new habits. What that looks like is um, whether it's a student or, a, or an adult who needs to take something with them to school or work, they'll have a tendency to want to set up a new system to do that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Tell me about something that always makes it like, so for example, an adult, well, I drive to work, really. So you can't go without the car keys and maybe a wallet. Yeah, where are those? They're on the counter. Well, let's attach whatever needs to go with you to your car keys. That way we don't have to set up a new habit. All you have to do is, hey, I've got to get this thing to go. Stop, go stick it with the car keys, and it will make it in. Maybe if it's school, it's car keys or a backpack or whatever it really is. But again, I try to minimize as much as possible uh, new habits and, quite frankly, organizational systems. Uh, people come to me all the time say I'm disorganized. I've yet to, to not be able to prove to somebody they have an existing system. And what we do is we map out the existing system. We begin to understand why it is the way it is for ADHD reasons. And usually what we do is we tweak a few small things. In other words, we want to minimize as much as possible the changing of behavior um, if we can in order for them to go forward because it's so effortful and so difficult and sometimes so difficult that people just don't do it. Anyway, I hope that this episode will help you understand the why behind these habits forming in a more illuminating way using mostly Dr. Barkley's theory and sharing my experience with people and coaching them and the notion that it's really hard, it's very difficult, and we want to minimize it. We don't want to do a whole bunch at the same time. Hope this gives you some cause to ponder, some insights, and think about this, and maybe a little bit of self-observation in what you're doing so that you can better manage yourself with regard to this. Again, our secret word tonight is habits, our secret words to habits. And with that, I hope that uh, you've gained something from this. And join us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care. 